Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I am the worship pastor here at Compass Point Bible Church, and today we have Paul Eastwood joining me again, lead pastor here. Hey. Um, Paul, we are uh, another week into our series called Made for Mondays. We're talking about work, uh, and this week was a, was a great week. You kind of summed up a lot of what we've been talking about and talked about how a, a gospel-shaped worldview would change the way in which we interact with work. Uh, and then we had the opportunity to sit down with four people. You had a panel of people up talking about their work and how it's, uh, how it's impacted stuff, which I thought was really great. Yeah. Um, anything you want to start with? Anything you uh, didn't get the chance to include or want to clarify a little bit? Yeah, well, you know, maybe just to kind of get us rolling is is playing around with this idea of worldview. And and I think, you know, what what was really interesting as I was reading through this uh, this book was just the idea that a worldview, anybody's worldview, answers these three primary questions. And the primary questions are, uh, what is the world supposed to look like? Uh, what is wrong with the world as it is today? And what are the solutions to to solve whatever problem is there? And so those three questions are questions that we all ask that form a worldview. And mm. how how we answer those questions are very important. But essentially, at its core, what we're talking when we talk about a gospel shaped worldview, we're talking about a story. And I think this is a, a really important part of the of the picture because the gospel is essential. It is a story. It's a story of good news. It's a story of God interacting with His creation and. And we can see the gospel all the way through, uh, culminating in the person of Jesus, obviously. Um, but but the story of God kind of reaching out to his people and, and all of that sort of shapes the way we see what we do on a regular basis. And Timothy Keller has this great example. He tells the story in his book about, um, uh, about he said, if you were sitting at a, a bus stop and somebody came up to you and said that, and basically, you know, shouted out, well, the, the the common name for the wild duck is, and they, you know, used whatever that happens to be. It's some Greek uh, Latin word or whatever. Hmm. Even though you understand the sentence, what he says makes no sense to you because there is some context that you need to put around it. And so we naturally, as humans, we put context into it. Hmm. And we make a decision right away. We either say, well, this person is is mentally ill uh, or we say this person has obviously mistaken me for somebody else because he must have had a conversation with someone yesterday and they asked, you know, what is the common name for the duck? And so he wanted to share what that was and he thought you were someone else. Yep. Or maybe you say, hey, this person's a spy. This person is actually coming and they're using some uh, this language to kind of get you to uh, to, you know, respond in a certain way so that he knows that you're safe to talk about. What we do in that solution, or in that situation, depends on what, what our story is, what we believe is actually happening here. Hmm. And so if, if we believe the story that this person has mistaken me for someone, then I'm going to say, hey, you know, obviously you've got me mixed up with someone else. Or we might call the police or we might, you know, do whatever it is. Yep. The bottom line is that, that our reactions and actions in life are often a response to a story that we believe the world is all about. Sometimes in the Bible, in, in Christian circles, we talk about this as a meta-narrative, this, this larger story that we all take a part in. Yep. And when we begin to, to shape our activities and our lives around this bigger story of God working in the world, redeeming creation, saving us through Jesus, uh, that begins to change the way we do everything, including what we do at work. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, I've often heard people talk about worldview kind of like glasses that we put on, right? They're a lens you see everything through. Um, and we all wear them. Whether we're aware of it or not, we all have a worldview that we bring to the table. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, and you, you, you unpacked that really well on Sunday. You talked uh, 
out of Thessalonians, you talked about uh, right. um, people having this deep conviction. Yeah. Um, like Paul, Paul having this deep conviction that he brought to yeah. the way that he approached things. Yeah. Um, and, and he, I mean, he, in many ways, he kind of carries this worldview really, yeah. really clearly he's able to articulate it. How do we develop that? How do we become more aware of our worldview? Um, and it, as yeah. followers of Jesus, how do we get this deep conviction? That, that's, a, that's a really great question. And I love how you asked it. How do we develop it? Because I think, I think you're right. We, we all have these ideas. And so the story may shape us. But how we respond in situations does depend, and sometimes it depends on the the amount of conviction we have over this thing. And so I, I, I appreciate that. In, in, in when Paul begins to talk to the Thessalonians, he talks about the power of conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit. Those two things in combination, along with Paul's example and his companion's example, those three things, so the example they saw in others, the conviction they had about the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, those three things together would allow the Thessalonians to live out their faith in a very powerful way. Hmm. So what you're asking is how do we develop that conviction? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a couple of ways that we do this. I mean, obviously I can go down the line of, you know, read your Bible, pray every day, those kind of common sort of Sunday school answers that remind us that we need to be in the word, that we need to be communicating with God. Those things are absolutely true. I also think that we need to in community be sharing stories of God's activity with each other because when we when we experience God in these positive ways, then we begin to to uh, recognize His work in other places. Hmm. And the more we see God at work, the more convinced we are of the truth of this gospel message. Yeah. So an example to you would be in our kids area. We've been asking these important questions of our kids: Where have you seen God at work today? Um, uh, you know, where have you seen God around you? Where have you seen God working through you? And then how can you, how can he help? Those are three questions that we want our kids to be asking yeah. uh, or our teachers to be asking kids, parents to be asking kids. The reason we, we say these questions is because we recognize that when our kids experience God, see him at work, it, it deepens their conviction. Hmm. It deepens their understanding. And so I think that there's something really powerful about community in this idea of, of deepening those convictions. And actually, I'll say one other thing is that when you look at the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul also said, hey, look at our lives, you know, Mm -hmm. not just the gospel that we shared, but look at our lives. And when you look at the Apostle Paul, let's say you're a person in the church in Thessalonica and you look at Paul and you say, not only does he say these things, he believes it. Yeah. And how do I know he believes it? Because he lives it. Yeah. And so when we're in community and seeing other people live it, that grows our our convictions. And so one of the things that that breaks my heart is that we are in a culture today where people just don't attend church. I know we're kind of going off on a tangent here, but but sometimes we say, well, what's the point? You know, I, it's a good thing to do, but I'm busy today or I, I, it's cold out or, you know, whatever the reason is. Yep. And I think sometimes we need to really remind ourselves, hey, when we are in community and in the context of other believers, watching God work in their lives, it's going to deepen our convictions. It will change the way we live Mm -hmm. and it will literally tell the whole world how great God is by our lives. And that is, you know, our mission. That's our goal, you know, to love God, love others and lead others to follow Jesus. Listen, I'm going off on a tangent. I no, can talk about this all day, but well, it's, it's exciting. It's great. And I'm, I'm completely with you. Like I'm a, I'm a worship pastor, right? I, yeah. I, people think I just lead songs for a living. And it's true. I do. I love leading songs because I think 
there's something about gathering and reminding ourselves of this story. Um, it's not about learning something new all the time. It's about living into the truth of what's already going on. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about becoming more aware of that and, and living out this conviction. Um, yeah. and, and you're right. We should see the fruit of it in our lives. We should see it, it changing things. So let me, let me flip over to be kind of really practical for a minute. Yeah. Um, this worldview that we all have and are developing in this conviction, how does it play itself out in various aspects of work? We talked to four different people in, in four different areas on Sunday. Um, but, but what does it, what does it look like uh, to have a, a Christian worldview um, in a job that seems really mundane? Uh, what if I'm, what if I'm working on a factory line, mm -hmm. um, not interacting with a lot of people? How do I bring my Christian worldview to bear on that job? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of the time these questions are going to be dependent on, uh, so dependent on the person that, you know, that based on the fact that, that our environments are all different and, mm. you know, am I working on the line standing next to somebody? Am I working on the line completely on my own? I mean, those are two different scenarios of the same job, but if I'm working with someone, I think it's very clear one of the one of the ways that we really live out these convictions and these uh, and the, this worldview is in our attitude in our approach to what we have in front of us. Uh, how many people have sat around a lunch table at work and just talked about uh, you know customers put people down been been frustrated by what's going on you know complain about your boss those kinds of conversations they often come up in those sort of contexts whether it's in the lunchroom around the water cooler whatever it is and I think that we have a responsibility and an opportunity to change the way that we talk around the office, just mm. even in our speech. And that can begin to make a significant change in the culture that, that we help to create in our work. And then that culture in our work changes the way even we begin to produce whatever we're doing, whether it's a widget or, you know, whatever. Mm. And I think sometimes, you know, for other people, you may find that, you know, it, it's, it's in the way that you, um, you interact with, uh, um, let's say your boss, for instance, your boss has certain expectations of you. How do you respond when they, they lay out, um, you know, here are all the things that you need to do, including, you know, seven things that you feel are, are right on point and three things that might be pushing into, a, an area where the, the morality is starting to get a little gray. Um, it may be just as simple as standing up for some things that you think are important. Uh, it may be, uh, you know, whether a customer who's coming in, who's uh, bothering people in the office, you know, you have an opportunity to sort of to change the atmosphere around that individual, recognizing that they are a person looking for a need and you can, you know, have a conversation around um, the importance of, of them, even if they do uh, come across in a negative way. Hmm. I'm giving a couple of small examples, but yep. a lot of these things I think Dave need to be talked out. Yeah. And so I think a lot of these things, you know, I've, I encouraged from the very beginning that this, this series is going to be most effective when we talk it through with other people. Mm -hmm. And so my suggestion would be, uh, you know, sit down with someone who's in a similar field to yours okay. and start having a conversation about it. Great. Conveniently, I'm sitting across from someone who's in a similar field to mine. Right. So Paul, how does this work itself out in our office? I mean, we're pastors, right? We're, we're yeah. expected to do this all the time, but as you've been digging into this, um, and I can ask myself the same question, yeah. how has this work series changed the way you've thought about a part of your job? Yeah, specifically about a part of my job. That's a, that's also um, a good question. I, I would say at the outset, 
that uh, that having a gospel-centered mindset, a gospel-centered worldview, needs to permeate our work uh, even when we're in the ministry, and it need, we need to be intentional about it. So yeah. if you're out there and you work for a nonprofit, um, we, we talked before about this divide between the secular and the sacred. Mm-hmm. If we're in a place where we think that uh, what, you know, we're on the sacred side, we're doing, you know, church work, whether it's, you know, for a nonprofit, you know, digging wells or whatever, we sort of assume that we've already passed the line and we're doing good gospel centered work, but mm-hmm. that's not necessarily true. Yeah. The way I treat employees here at our church as a lead pastor is, is a significant part of my job. And I need to make sure that what I do is, is also centered around my understanding of people and so when it comes to expectations we have of our staff or when it comes to uh, conversations about strategy or when it comes to, um, you know, the way that we look at our finances, all of these questions are, are things that we can uh, that we can shift slightly. Uh, mm-hmm. For instance, strategy can be all about, hey, I'm going to figure this out. Just let me figure it out when we need to recognize that, hey, we need to pause and reflect on the fact that our strategy needs to come from our relationship with God. And so we need to be spending more time in prayer, uh, you know, looking at it in a different way. That kind of thing, you know, we can we can especially in church work can get off track. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, yeah about, I, what about you? And have you. Yeah. So, I mean, I had the privilege of asking you the question and thinking about the answer while yeah. <laughs> you talked there. Um, I mean, in my job lately, I've definitely um, found this series really helpful in being able to work through some of the parts of my job that are that are harder, the parts of my job that I find more distraction than core. Right. Um, so I, I spend time obviously helping people do technical stuff. And there are moments where I think this is not what I need to be doing. I don't want to do this. And and it's easy for me to lose the fruit of the spirit in those moments, right? right. Um, it's easy for me not to be patient, not to be kind, um, to still do do the job, but but to do it maybe a little more briskly than I should. Yeah, um, yeah. And for me, just the 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 fruit again, the, the reality of having this gospel centered worldview should mean that the fruit of the spirit is more prevalent in everything that I'm doing: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Yeah. Uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things. Um, yeah. So I think it, it's a helpful thing for any of us in our jobs to ask maybe at the end of the day or the end of the week or the end of the quarter, how have I seen those fruits become more evident in my life? Yeah. In, in the way that I interact with people, regardless of whether you're yeah. the CEO of a Fortune 500 company or whether you're empty in the trash, um, how can those things become more prevalent? And that's proof of this gospel-centered uh, worldview kind yeah. of working its way out in our lives. Um, yeah. Yeah, and if, in a, another way of thinking about it, not to go way down the road of ministry, because I know not, not a lot of our listeners are, are involved in, you know, full-time ministry or in not-for-profits. You know, another example would be, you know, for me, even in preaching, um, you know, you'd think that, okay, we're, you know, you're preaching, you're always going to have this gospel-centered worldview in mind. Uh, and that's true, but it also reminds me that I always need to keep coming back to the larger story. And and when preaching gets off track is when we start talking about things that that are uh, extra to the larger to the story of God. Mm-hmm. And I need to I can talk about relationships or parenting or marriage and then continually bring it back to the larger story of God and yeah. the way that he interacts with the world. That to me is is crucial in the way that we preach too around here. Yeah. 
I love that. Um, it, I mean, this Sunday we had four people on stage, yeah. which was so good. So we had uh, Rob, who works in the car dealership world. We had uh, Leah, who's uh, a lawyer. We had Rob Manton, who is uh, technically disabled, but he he works very closely with us here at the church. I, I have the privilege of working with him yeah. almost daily, uh, as well as training dogs. Um, and then Rebecca, we had Rebecca, yeah. who's a nutritionist, yeah. um, dietitian. Why, uh, why did we pick those four people and, and what, I mean, were there other people we could have picked or? or oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, there's certainly, it, you know, it was, it was such a, such a pleasure to be sitting up there listening to them tell their stories. And I often think that when it comes to living missionally, uh, sometimes I think to myself that uh, I have a, a much easier job than most of the people that I'm preaching to hmm. because I go to work and everybody in my office is a Christian. Uh, that changes the way I interact with people and, and all of those things. Whereas we recognize, you and I both know that many of the people, most of the people in our church who go out into the community on Monday and are showing up for work are not entering Christian communities and in that context, it's a lot harder. And so when I hear people sharing their stories, it is, it's so refreshing and mm. it's exciting to me. It reminds me that being a follower of Jesus matters. It matters in our lives. It changes us. It affects us. And I mean, this is where this whole idea of living differently is so important. We want to be so impacted by our relationship with Jesus Christ that we are compelled to live differently. And you heard four stories of people who are living differently because of the, their relationship with Jesus. And, and part of the thing that really reminded me too, I've been watching this this uh, video on YouTube recently. I, I, I got stuck on this thing of, of this guy who uh, makes this um, this YouTube channel called How to Make Everything. And he kind of points out, he, he, the, he, he basically just makes everything from scratch. Yep. But his, it's a bit of a social commentary. He's talking about the fact that there are thousands of people who are involved in making a sandwich, for instance. Hmm. Um, you know, just, just, you know, putting a couple of pieces of bread together and, and some condiments and, and those, um, though there's so many people who, who have to be at work in order for you to make that sandwich as simple as it is. I mean, you know, since the 1980s, we've been getting less and less connected to our food. And sometimes we don't even realize when we reach into the fridge, how many people are involved in making that bottle of ketchup or whatever it is. My point is that, that we all have a small part to play, whether it's big or small, and what we end up doing is is something part of a larger story that's going on. And in the same way that it takes thousands of people to make a sandwich, it takes, you know, so many people to to remind the world of this great story about who God is. Hmm. I think it's pretty cool. And and so I just I just love sitting down and listening to those stories. It was great to hear from them. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to remember those stories are are four examples of yeah. a story that's repeated over and over. Uh, in our congregation, any anyone who's listening to this, um, anyone who's trying to follow Jesus and and figure out what that means in their workplace, um, you've got a story. You're part of yeah. this meta narrative, this this story of what God is doing. And um, I mean, you talked about Leaf by Niggle, yeah, uh, right. So, sometimes it feels like all we can do is focus on this little thing, and how can it possibly be enough? And the truth is, God has it under control. Yeah. He's He's coordinating things in ways that we often don't understand. Yeah, um, but coordinating it beautifully and yeah and bringing about his purposes through and and using every single person yeah and if if i could just pause for a second and i just want to say thank you like from the bottom of my heart 
to people who are out there working every day, doing their best to follow Jesus and do whatever is in front of them, you know, at their desk or in their truck or in their home or whatever they happen to be. And I just want to thank people for taking those steps. And and it's hard and it it takes courage. And sometimes we don't get it all right. And I get that. And so you might be thinking, oh man, I just, I failed yesterday or I didn't get it, get it right. And I just want to say, thank you for trying and continue to work towards proclaiming the greatness of our God by displaying a life that is fully centered on a worldview that is gospel shaped. Awesome. Uh, yeah, to, to close kind of where you started on Sunday, what you do does matter. Absolutely. So thank you for tuning in and listening today. Uh, we will talk to you next week here on Postscript. <laughs>